Hello and welcome to a new episode of the StatCast with your hosts, Harrison Friedman and Sam Greenman. Today, we are talking about the NBA draft, which just happened Wednesday night. We've got a lot of takes on what happened. It wasn't the craziest night, but there's still a lot of interesting moves. Uh, the players that got picked, the fits they have with teams are going to be pretty exciting. Sam, you got anything uh, interesting you want to share? Well, uh I could tell you, I could go on and on about Aaron Nesmith, or otherwise known as Aaron Nesquik, but I don't think we have time for too in-depth on him because, you know, he was only the 14th pick in the draft. Yeah, we've got a strange uh, top 10 that we're going to get into. We've got um, some people file, some people got picked higher than you'd expect. Uh, there's another Celtics pick who I'm very much intrigued to talk about. We'll get into all of that, but first... Milo Hamilton. Swinging, lining it to left. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Chris Burke. Holy Toledo. What a way to So, Sam, Anthony Edwards, as many people were expecting, went number one to the Timberwolves. Yep. And the day of the draft, maybe the day before the draft, I'm not quite sure when it came out, but there was an article in ESPN that came out. It was a big piece on Anthony Edwards, and in it, he's saying he doesn't really like to watch basketball for fun. So this is the guy who's a top pick in the draft. He's 6'6", 6'10", super athletic uh, guard, wing maybe at that size. Uh, expected to be one of the bigger, one a big piece for them in the future. But what do you have to think? What do you think about all of this? So if I I remember reading that, I'm pretty sure he said, you know, he would rather play in the NFL than the NBA. Yeah, he said that if he were drafted by the NFL, he would immediately quit basketball and join the NFL. And I think his reasoning was somewhere along the lines of, man, there's no celebrating all of this. It's like basketball isn't fun. And, like, it's just such a bad time for you to be saying that. You know, it's maybe when you start getting paid more than the checks that the boosters are, you know, giving you, you can actually, like, say, like, man, this isn't as fun he's as I getting, want. He's getting boosters checks. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, no, no, there, I'm but, saying yeah. on top of that. Yeah. So I'm also a little nervous about that. We saw um, there's a quote in a different article, Gerson Rosas, the GM, or maybe possibly the president of the Wolves, the one who is making all their basketball decisions, said that D'Angelo Russell and Carlton Towns are like uh, the smart, skilled players right now. And Anthony Edwards is the like uh, uh, super athletic guy who you just point at the basket and works and hopefully works really hard. So I don't know. Anthony Edwards we saw him in college, like, score six points against Dayton the first game of the season, the Maui Invitational, and Obi Toppin looked like the best player in the country. But then he scored 33 points in a half, and he made big shots, but he also was kind of terrible. Like, he reclassified, so he really should have been a high school senior this year, which, I mean, it's impressive that someone could do it on that stage as young as he was. And he is clearly... Uh, one of the most athletic guys in the draft and has some of the highest potential in the draft. But is this pick a bust before it even happened? 
I mean, I'm willing to call Anthony Edwards a bust, you know, just as a hot take because I feel like he resembles Andrew Wiggins in so many ways. Tell you know, me. He's, he's athletic, can't really shoot the three, doesn't seem interested in basketball, does not have any, you know, features that set him apart from his peers other than he than just he's kind of a little bit better than the Maddot. Um, he's going to try to be like kind of a volume shooter and he's going to like shoot like 40% from the field and on a Timberwolves team that's you know we saw with Wiggins it's not not gonna work yeah I mean one thing about Wiggins is that not only does Wiggins not seem to like basketball he just doesn't seem to care about it whatsoever and so you see him just like not paying a lot of attention sometimes he's in games a lot of times he checks out Edwards is a little different there were some quotes that made me feel a little bit better about it such as like he is an intense studier of the game. He cares very much about uh, figuring out stuff to do, but also like there are going to be long stretches where he doesn't care that much. And that's sort of reflected in some games or like if he can score 33 points and a half, but that doesn't mean that he's always going to be trying to score 33 points every single half, even if he's got the ability to do it in a college game. And so I don't know. I just wonder if he's the kind of guy who checks in and out a lot. And that's a little worrisome, especially since he does not exactly have the best veterans around him and Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. Well, let's face it. They're both good players. They're both exciting players to watch. But Jimmy Butler just forced his way out of Minnesota not that long ago, really, because he thought Carl Anthony Towns was soft. D'Angelo Russell, we know he's changed since he was a rookie. And like, I think he like tattled on Nick Young to his fiance or something like that. Yeah, it's a, that that's a story that's just in a gold mine of stories for D'Angelo Russell right now. I can't believe that's real. But Tom Crean, uh, who was uh, Anthony Edwards' coach, said in the article that he really needs some veteran examples. And yeah, maybe it's better that he's on the Wolves and the Warriors because if he's on the Warriors, then like he they're kind of uh, they're not making him do that much. It's not like he really can care that much i guess this year might be a little different because obviously clay thompson as we have recently found out did tear his achilles which really sucks yeah that sucks yeah we'll get into that next week when we talk about the nba as a whole but i don't know the fit i think the fit is fine and ricky rubio coming to the team in a different trade his third team in a week basically is the kind of good veteran presence we know that he was a great influence on devin booker and deandre aiden but you're almost more getting him to work with D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns, who remind me of that pair a lot more than Anthony Edwards. I'm not quite sure where he fits in. Yeah, he's also not going to play that much defense, which Timberwolves kind of need defense. They're the worst defensive team in the league. So, yeah, you know. I think like his high school coach said he could be the best, def- like an all-NBA defender if he wants to. I don't but know again, what he wants to do. Not, that doesn't that doesn't that's doesn't bode very well because yeah. defense is all about effort. Exactly. Like he's listen, he's six six, got a six ten wingspan, he's built really well for a guy as young as he is. But I I hope the effort is there. But this is a very dour note to start the podcast on because it was a really interesting night. There were some exciting players that we're gonna talk about, but that's just the kind of I don't know. For both the Wolves and the Warriors, for different reasons, the Wolves because they were picking Anthony Edwards, the Warriors because Clay Thompson got hurt, the last couple of days sort of put a damper on the first and second picks in the draft and made you like wonder, like, are we making the right moves here? I think Edwards is going to be a pretty good player in the NBA just because the talent is there. And Andrew Wiggins, 
we know he's not like, I don't know, by any means, one of the best players in the NBA, but he's at least decent. And that's a guy who I think is going to try less hard than Anthony Edwards. And I think Anthony Edwards is a little bit better of an athlete than Andrew Wiggins is. And a little bit, uh, you know, he's just a little bit bigger. He's probably got a little more skill than Wiggins, who's kind of for almost forced into playing basketball. But I, I hope that we see things go in the right direction with this team. I'm just a little worried about the Timberwolves. They've got two years. In two years, Carl Anthony Towns going to be a free agent, and then everything's in big trouble, unless it isn't. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think Minnesota is kind of going down a, a bad a bad path. Yeah. Now, what about the Warriors taking James Wiseman at number two? I like this pick. I think it made the most sense for them, but what about you? I agree. I don't think it would have made any sense for them to take Lamella Ball, even if they had known prior to the draft that Clay's not going to be there because, um, I don't know, I just feel like he's not going to provide, he's definitely not going to provide an impact right away. He needs to be coached, you know, when to take shots and when to not take shots. And he needs how to, you know, learn how he's, you know, his lankiness can help him on defense, which right now his defense has, hasn't seen seemed that great. Uh, it, of course, you can't really tell what the competition he's playing, but you know he's got pretty tremendous upside, uh, especially Lamello on the offensive end. Lamelo, yeah. Um, but yeah, Wiseman's got some upside if he can, you know, learn to fit into today's NBA. That's the risk of kind of taking. A guy like Wiseman, number two, is that not only do we not see him a lot in college, but we also, he doesn't really fit the build, especially on a Warriors team that, you know, was the first uh, team to kind of run the small ball lineup to get a seven-footer at center that, you know, isn't really going to shoot threes. You know, I like it because, go ahead. The thing is, we know he's, the issue with Wiseman is that he wants to fit the idea of a modern big, but they're really two ideas of a modern big. One of them is the idea of like the stretch five who block shots and shoots three pointers. The other is the big who's a rim runner, catches lobs, dunks the ball a lot, rebounds really well, and is able to stay on the floor because he doesn't get burned too badly on switches when they happen. And I think Wiseman fits much better in the second role. But at the same time, he's tried a lot in the past to be able to create his own shot. We didn't see that much in college, but again, he only played three games in college. I A lot of people say he has a high floor because he's got that dunking ability. He's one of the best guys at like getting the high point on the ball, really getting second chance points. And one of the lessons we learned from the bubble really is that second chance uh, buckets really matter. Offensive rebounds are hugely important, and the team that can win that battle often wins the game. So... I agree with that since he's got a high floor, but I also agree with you in that he might not be the perfect fit for Golden State. Although I ni- neither of us really know if a switch happy offense is going to be the best thing to do in the league these days because with uh, a team like Los Angeles, that doesn't always work nearly as well. Yeah, especially since Wiseman is, you know, he's, you know, we talk about him being an athlete, you know, he's a athletic per- he's an athletic player. But laterally, he's not, you know, up to par with a lot of the stretch fives that are in the game today that have, you know, been trying to guard fours and fives and have had the ability to do so. So I don't think switching and guarding on switches is not going to be his forte. Yeah, that's the kind of an issue with uh, Wiseman. I mean, like, put him in front of someone like Nikola Jokic. Jokic is probably going to get a bunch of moves on him. But at the same time... Wiseman probably gets lucky and blocks a few shots, like maybe one from behind, maybe one from in front. 
I feel like Wiseman is a good guy to just set in the middle and really dissuade guards, but also a guy who's that young and has such good skill. We've seen this a lot with guys who are really tall and can block shots is that they sort of hunt those block shots instead of playing really good defense and just standing there. Like they Yeah, might you know, the white side is the number one example for that. Exactly, yeah. I think Wiseman is absolutely more skilled than, Wise, than Whiteside. But Off- offensively, I think yeah, so, yeah. Because Whiteside can't really do anything on that end. But it remains to be... I, he's the kind of guy who has the skill to do a lot at once, but is going to mess up a lot if he does. And for a team like the Warriors, he's going to have to do a little bit and work his way into being a focal point for that kind of for that team. I think it happens. I think it happens by the end of his contract. But I don't think he's more than just, I don't know, like a young DeAndre Jordan at this point. And he shouldn't try to be anything more than that. I agree. So what do you what do you think about LaMelo Ball who, you know, has so much hype surrounding him that he kind of forced his way into being a top 3 pick and now a franchise like the Hornets is doomed and has him. I mean, Besides the fact that it was LeVar Ball who challenged MJ to a one-on-one a few years back, and now MJ drafted LaMelo, which is kind of crazy. Um, Mitch Kupchak, the GM of the Hornets, said that their number one, the number one thing they need is talent, and LaMelo is quite possibly the most talented guy in this draft. He's got, I think, a skill which has been hugely important in every single iteration of the NBA, and that's the ability to always make the right pass. And not only the right pass, but the past, it's like two or three steps ahead of what you're supposed to do. And that's a skill that he'll always be able to re- rely on. And even if the jumper never develops, at the very least, he's got that skill. Like he could be a shorter Ben Simmons with uh, less chance to be an all-NBA player. But he, also, could be a, he could yeah. be a taller Lonzo Ball. That's fair. Yeah, he's Lonzo Ball and Ben Simmons, like somewhere in between them is who he is. Except we, you got him, I don't know, it's hard to get him to buy in. But at the same time, I don't know. The dudes, the kids got a swagger. You got like PJ Washington there. You've got Devonte Graham there. You got Scary Terry there. Um, it's maybe that's a team that we know the Hornets are cursed, but maybe they're not cursed forever. I personally love PJ Washington, and I've sung his praises a lot. If Lamelo, well. yeah, if Lamelo buys in and plays defense, Lamelo playing defense, I think, uh, makes him easily a contender for Rookie of the Year because then he's going to be able to stay on the court. We know he's got the frame. He's six foot six to do that. He can move laterally well enough that he can be a really good defensive player. So that's the number one thing I would like to see, just him trying really hard on defense. I'm gonna, yeah, he's played with pros. He's been in the league with grown-ass men in Australia and Lithuania before that when he was like 15 years old. So I'm higher on him than some other people are, than maybe you are. But what do you think about all LaMelo on Charlotte? I think it's just so risky. I think it has a chance to come crashing down in one of the in like such a bad way, like worse than Michael Kidd Gilchrist kind of way. And the ups, I can see the upside, but I don't know where like his ceiling is. Honestly, uh, if he learns how to play defense and shoot consistently, then I definitely think he could. Mm, there's not really a comp for him in today's game because he's l- very long as a as point guard. Yeah, I mean. That's why I like the Ben Simmons comp, except obviously not everything follows. But on offense, that's the guy who he can be. I mean, an absolute danger in transition. I would not want to be like on the the like the wrong side of a three on two when Lamelo is pushing the break. But 
I'm not going to be surprised if he makes a ton of mistakes early and has the highest turnover in the league because he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. Devontae Graham is, I I think Devontae Graham has is probably going to be more of a six man in his career, but like a high powered six man. And so they're going to try to trust LaMelo there. I don't know. The issue, what would be great would be if he was a decent like catch and shoot guy from the three, because then you could play him at the three since he's got, you know, he's got the wingspan, he's got the length, uh, and then he can be your secondary ball handler. But if the shot isn't developing, and if he's taking a bunch of dumb shots, a bunch of dumb twos, a bunch of long threes, like a lot of people are worried about with him, then yeah, he's got high bust potential. All three of these guys, I think, have a lot of potential, like high potential is just not reaching their talent. Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, and We've talked about them so much. Now we finally see where they're going. It's not that far from what we expected. These fits all make sense, at least partially. But I don't know. I'm not picking any of them for rookie of the year, are you? Uh, No, I would honestly wait until we got outside. the. Well, I think 6 to 15 is where the one of the rookie of the year guys is going to be coming from. I agree with you. One, Yeah, we talked about this before in the draft, but... During like the 8 to 12, 8 to 14 kind of range, you're just like, oh, whoa, this guy fell that far. And that's kind of because we had, in my opinion, we so we had those three guys, uh, number one, two, three, and Edwards, Wiseman, and Ball. But then for the next uh, nine, I th- there were nine players fitting into seven spots. And so, well, I guess not nine players. I'd say I would say eight players fitting into seven spots. Jalen Smith kind of came out of nowhere. But... There's a lot of talent in this draft. There's a lot of, like, you can get good talent just, like, near the back end of this lottery, and we're going to get to the, some teams who did. But let's, we could go pick by pick. I think we should, uh, but just hit some highlights now. I know you want to talk about the Bulls, so tell me about Patrick Williams and everyone. So the Bulls made a big boo-boo, and they took Patrick Williams. At oh. Number four. Yeah. I mean, he was not projected to go this high at all. There's, like, three or four guys at his position that I would have taken before. I would have taken Akora before him. I would have taken, I would have even taken, I wouldn't have taken Toppin. They already have Carter. Let's say, let's say Patrick Williams is a four, which I think is his position in the league. Okay, is and I would have, would have taken Okongu ahead of him. Yeah, I agree with I you. Have, I would have even taken Jalen Smith ahead of him. Really? So why yeah. are you not a fan of Patrick Williams, the youngest American in the He draft? seems so bland. And Florida State is not a good team. Well, Okay, yeah, it's shallow analysis, but I, but, I was reading. I, mean, I was reading an. I was reading um, an article about Patrick Williams for the draft, and basically what Patrick Williams said is, yeah, the Florida State team you saw is totally different than what these players actually are because it's a system. It's Leonard Hamilton's system, and so guys like Devin Vassell, who you saw go eleven to the Spurs, or Patrick Williams, they can do a lot more than they showed. But that team just like it's like a play hard play really good defense kind of team that tries to stifle other teams and they all buy in because they're trying to win college basketball games. It's not just a showcase for the NBA. And so that makes me a little higher on guys like Williams and especially on guys like Vassell. So I know that I mocked Vassell to the Spurs at 11. He went to the Spurs at 11. That's an incredible fit. That might be like their next, uh, maybe not Kawhi Leonard level talent, but he still is a 40% three-point shooter who can play defense and showed some ability to create his sophomore year. So I kind of like Williams here. Again, it's it's a little high. We saw like day of the draft. Some people were putting him up at four saying at least the Bulls were going to consider him. I think he's got that athleticism. He's a guy you really can dream on. And 
in this draft, what you were looking for, what a lot of teams are trying to figure out are these guys who you could actually dream on, like, oh, this guy actually has star potential. And teams are having a lot of trouble finding that because there's a lot of there are a lot of role players in this draft. There are a lot of guys who can be like the fourth through seventh best option on the team. And those are going to be guys who were drafted like even in the lottery. But at the same time, Patrick Williams. Not the best player on his own team. Not the best player on his own team. Yeah, it was also Devin Vassell was a sophomore and Patrick Williams was one of the youngest freshmen in the country. He's also the sixth man on the team. Yeah, it's true. So was Dion Waiters and he was also the fourth pick and we saw how that turned out. Yeah, great. Oh, yeah, super well. Um, but at the same time, I think the reason the Bulls take him here is because he's one of, after the first three guys who clearly have like star potential, even if they might not reach it, I think Williams is the guy with the next highest uh, potential. And I mean, if you're the Bulls, you need talent. You need some. Oh, you need, I don't you gotta, think so. I think Obi's yeah. got the next best star potential than Patrick Williams. All right, let's talk about Obi. What do you think about uh, the pick for the Knicks at eight? It sucks for Obi Toppin that he's got to go to the Knicks. Yeah, I mean that. I don't know if if the rumors are that they're either going to get Westbrook or even Hayward. Then what is Obi Toppin going to be doing other than standing fifteen feet away from the basket and spotting up for long twos? The thing with Toppin is, I mean, he should be an instant superstar, at least on offense. Because okay, I guess it's true that we're probably not going to see fans in the stands in uh, Madison Square Garden. But if we but just imagine that we were, Obi Toppin would bring the house down. I mean, this is a guy who went between the legs dunked in a real life basketball game, which was incredible. He he put on he put on a real show. He's a walking highlight machine, even though he's 22 and never really had a high school tape. Um, yeah, he, what he basically did is he made a mixtape of the 2019-2020 college season, which should not be happening, but nevertheless did happen. I think like Blake Griffin is the last guy to really do something like that. But I love Obi on offense. Obviously, yeah, his defense is not going to be that great. Maybe Mitchell Robinson is a really good guy to play next to him since Robinson is going to swallow up everything and seems to be one of the best guys at blocking shots we've seen in the NBA in a long time. But I don't know. I feel like if Toppin gives enough effort, I feel like he's a good, really good fit next to RJ Barrett. And I've been on the RJ uh, is underrated train for a while. And yeah, he went number three, but people almost immediately were like, nah, this guy is not even any good. I think what RJ needs to unlock his actual game are guys who are a huge threat to shoot from the three-pointer. And uh, Obi Toppin shot 58% on catch-and-shoot just shots overall during the 2019-2020 season. And so he can make threes. He can spot up on threes. Defenses are going to have to play up on him to keep, like, he's going to keep them honest. And so that opens up a little room for R.J. Barrett to actually go to work, which he did not have at Duke. He really did not have his first year. We saw the Knicks. I think they waived or cut six guys to t- just today yeah they cut portis gibson other a lot guys. of dead weight a lot of yeah. dead weight and in the meantime so they get obi Toppin. they get i don't know if he's going to be all that great but they get uh i don't remember who the guy, emmanuel quickly who i mean he he'll be fine i don't know he's gonna be amazing that thund- thunder got quickly no i got traded to the knicks oh, am i missing this huh. yeah quickly went to the knicks uh, there's a lot of uh Oh, there were a lot of trades that happened. There were, yeah, there were a lot of back, like, double trades that really just threw me off. Yeah. But Nick's uh, Emmanuel quickly, who, like, I don't know, he's not amazing. I think that was the only other guy they picked in the draft. But I really like the fit of Toppin next to RJ Barrett. Do I think that that's, a fin- that's the finished product for the team? Absolutely not. But I think 
those two guys, plus, plus maybe Mitchell Robinson, although Knicks fans love to throw him in trades because they overvalue him. I think that's the makings of a decent core for your team, even if it's not going to be incredible, at least at the beginning. Yeah, I just I just hope they can use their cap space wisely. I mean, I don't know who you get. Do you get like a point guard? If Seth Curry, honestly, I know he got traded to Philly. He is a guy who would have made a good uh, amount of sense uh, for New York. And obviously, I think Tyrell Terry would have been a good fit as well. But now, I guess you're looking at uh, point guards who can score and are totally fine, like not having the ball, because even though like RJ Barrett probably shouldn't be handling the ball that much. And so guys who can shoot are really who they need. They need to get like a small forward who just bombs three-pointers the whole time because that amount of space around like someone like RJ Barrett who is really good at creating his own shot even though he <laughs> has a really bad tendency to get blocked at the rim because I don't think he can jump high enough. Um, I think that's some a decent team even if it's clearly not a playoff contender. Yeah, they could have taken Messmith if they wanted to shoot her. Yeah, but that would be instead of Obi. Yeah, but I mean... Obi's a shooter. Obi's a shooter. I mean, a shot from the rim still counts as a shot, so I guess so. I Were you saying Obi Toppin bomb threes all season long? He was canon, though. Against the Atlantic 10? Yeah, but he was also beating good teams. Did you watch him against Kansas in the Maui uh, final? He was the Kansas only... Kansas wasn't good. Kansas was the number one team oh, in the country. that's right. Yeah, they were. What never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, never mind. I, I, was, I was thinking of Kentucky. Yeah, watch some more college basketball. Yeah, that was one of the best games of the year, and it happened on Thanksgiving. Uh, the best uh, game of the year was SF Austin and Duke. No, that listen, that was an insane game, but Duke was not exactly the most talented team last year. As you see by who's the top Duke guy to get drafted this year? Was it was it Trey Jones? Yeah, I think it was Trey Jones at like uh, 39? No, 41 to the Spurs. Oh, no, Vernon Carey oh, got Vernon drafted. Vernon Carey, right. Yeah, Vernon 32. Carey. 32. Listen, as good of a move as the Hornets made uh, taking the mellow ball at three, Vernon Carey makes no sense for them. Like, Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, and Vernon Carey as your 3-4-5? Nah, not working. Vernon Carey is a... He's a dinosaur. He's... We're not, I don't want to talk that much about a guy who got picked in the second round, but he's like Jaleel Okafor, but not even as good as Jaleel Okafor was. So... So Anthony Bennett? No, I mean, in, in the Jaleel Okafor mold specifically. Like, you know how Jaleel Okafor, regardless of, like, how bad... A, Clearly, how bad a fit he was in the NBA was incredible. Had like the best post moves you've ever seen out of a guy that young. Oh yeah, because in it, everyone he's playing in college is like five inches shorter than him. Okay, no, but he was he was working them in the post. He was working big well, yeah, guys. No, he they was, were working yeah, small guys. 100%. He could do he could do it all, and then he couldn't move his feet on defense. And then Vernon he became Carey. archaic. Yeah, Vernon Carey also had a PR over thirty, but it's not really. Uh, it's sort of because all he could do was dunk. Uh, we're not going to, yeah, you're not going to see Vernon Carey really become a star. If you do, then I think the Hornets are in great shape, but you're not also not going to see it. So don't even keep your eyes on it. Um, who else in the lottery stuck out to you? Do you want to talk about um, Killian Hayes, the Pistons at seven? Yeah, that's, it's kind of almost best case scenario for Killian Hayes, I feel like. Why is that? I mean, it's kind of his team now, is it not? Yeah. I think I read a Luke Bernard. They got rid of Luke. Yeah, I guess that he was their their number one option for sure. Blake's still there, although we don't know for how long. Uh, uh, his knee's probably going to give out again. Um, yeah, imagine a healthy pick and roll with Killian Hayes and Blake Griffin. Oh, I God. Wish. Oh, man, that would have been wonderful to watch. 
Yeah, but I mean, Killian Hayes, you know, once he gets some better defensive instincts uh, and he's a gonna little be a bit defender. more coaching, you know, yeah, no, he's going to be a good defender. I just, and I think Detroit's a great place for him to learn how to play defense, you know, effectively. Dwayne Case uh, is a great coach for that. Yeah. And, you know, Pistons of, you know, late, early 2000s were the em- embodiment of defense. Yeah. So, so you've got all those old guys hanging around, maybe. Yeah. And, you know, I just think that he's actually in a good spot in Detroit, which is not what I would say for a lot of other people. Yeah, I agree. Like, Detroit, do we want to talk about their whole draft? Because they get Killian Hayes at number seven. At number 16, they draft Isaiah Stewart, which say what you will about Stewart, but apparently NBA teams loved him, even if uh, people online did not. Sadiq, he's a bit high. He was taken a bit high, in my yeah. opinion, but yeah. He's going to be a hard worker. He's going to be a really good defender. Uh, I think he was pretty highly rated coming out of high school, even if he wasn't like amazing in college. And Sadiq Bey is a terrific guy at number 19. So I have you seen when's the last time you saw a Villanova guy not be a good player in the NBA? Uh Dante DiVincenzo, Josh Hart. But pretty good guys, both of them. <sighs> I like him. DiVincenzo, I mean, I guess uh we'll see. We'll see if he stays on the Bucks. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. Um but I think those are three terrific guys. They also got Saban Lee. I don't know anything about Saban Lee. I got to admit, I had not heard of him before this and did not do my research on him. But Bay, Stewart, and Killian Hayes, that's well, a good core. Vanderbilt. You were just, man. One more time? He's in Vanderbilt. Saban Lee? Yeah. What was he doing on Vanderbilt? Being I don't know. He's a junior. He's a, a pretty, he's a point guard, right? Yeah. He's like a, what, a 6'3 guy? He's 6'2, six foot two, six foot two, 183. Or 83 Six pounds. Two. Okay. Led the team in minutes per game and field goal percentage and rebounds okay. and assists and steals and points. Mm, so maybe like FVV potential? Uh, so like hard worker? No, he shot, he shot so like 32%. Does everything kind of guy? I mean, bad. he's a three-year well, I mean, college guy. That, re- that reminds me a little bit of Tyrese Halliburton. And we can talk about him right after this. But Tyrese Halliburton, he was the guy who was leading every single category for Iowa State, uh, like both this year and last year. And the consummate, like, super high IQ player, really hardworking guy. The Kings got a steal there. Maybe Saban Lee, like, is a very light version of that, even if he's a little skinnier. And at least he's trying hard. I don't know. Maybe Isaiah Thomas, although I guess he's taller than Isaiah Thomas and probably not nearly as good of a scorer. I don't know. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that kind of guy at 39. You know what? That's fine with me. At 38, sorry. I keep thinking everyone's 39. 39 was Elijah Hughes, so I think we'll be fine on the Jazz, but... So do you want to talk about then, I, I I agree with you on Killian Hayes at the Pistons. I think that's going to be a good team. I think that's going to be a pretty bad team next year because you're depending a lot on three guys who are not exactly uh, NBA veterans at this point or were not even college veterans. And so they probably end up with a really high pick in next year's draft, which is a Cade Cunningham draft, but also like BJ Boston, Jalen Green, Zaya Williams. Luca Garza. Uh, yes, Luca Garza, who the Celtics are going to pick with the 25th pick. Um, Can't wait. Um, but yeah, so what about Tyrese Halliburton to the Kings at 12? Did the Kings finally make a good draft pick, or did that good yeah, draft pick like, I mean, almost get over the head? Drafted, they actually drafted a point guard, which kind of fills out, you know, all things being healthy, you know, if Marvin Bagley can not be Snowflake and if everybody can put it together and if Bogdan is actually going to stay there and does get offer sheeted. He's not. Well, well, 
I don't. Th- I think he's. It's almost better, like for Halliburton's sake, if he doesn't stay there. I, I don't know. I I I I like Bogdan as a catch and shoot guy, which I think Halliburton is very adept at finding the open guy. That's I mean, true. he's I six, a six five point. Guy. He's like yeah. He's like everything that he does must give a give NBA head coaches such a hard on. I mean, he's yeah, a six I mean, five point guard who plays defense. Um, just he does all the little things. You name a little yeah. thing, he's doing it currently. Yeah, he led you know Iowa State in minutes, rebounds, assists, steals, points. He averaged two and a half steals per game. Shot forty two percent from three in his career at Iowa State. He shot forty three percent from three. Uh, he was he was like the nerd guys like uh his freshman year at Iowa State. They were like, oh, watch this kid Tyrese Halliburton, and then suddenly Tyrese Halliburton like burst onto the scene, and everyone's like, oh, is is he the next Chris Paul? He's not the next Chris Paul, but. I think he has the He's potential be to be if everything goes right. Chris Paul is a top 30 NBA player of all time. I'm saying if everything like goes right, I think the ceiling for him is Chris Paul. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, I've heard some people say Andre Miller, I think, about him. I don't like that comp. That, mean, that, that means that he's bad. Yeah. Well, he was good at some point. But... Tyrese Halliburton, I think he's going to be a great player. The Kings, like, what do you think of that fit? So there's him, De'Aaron Fox, and Buddy Heald in the backcourt. I think, I assume Buddy Heald's going to stay after all this. Well, yeah, I don't think De'Aaron Fox is that, like, I think he's definitely better, even though he's kind of a small two. I think he's a better at the two than the one because he's not, his passing isn't really, I wouldn't say passing is his game, no matter how many assists speeds he racks his up. Game. Yeah, speed's his game. And I think he can, you know, we always see how fast he is with the ball. Imagine how fast he is without the ball, you know? Very elementary uh, analysis, but I think Halliburton is the more mature choice at point guard, and I think they can have a real good small ball lineup if, if they throw um, Halliburton. Fox and Heald. Fox and Heald. Put Bagley at the five. Put Bagley um, on a cart. On the bench. Uh, yeah. Rolling back to the hospital. Nah, yeah. I, w- <laughs> I would not say you can depend on Marvin Bagley, unfortunately. Well, as yeah, much, but I mean, like, they might love him. I think everything, I think the Kings hope that he can be healthy. You know who they could pair those guys with? Robert Woodard, who they got in the second round, who I had mocked at 14th to your Celtics. Ew. Wait, really? You had him that high? I think that was a little high on him, but maybe it's Celtics like, oh, I don't know if we can get him at 26th. Of course, they got paid Pritchard at 26, which, oof. Interesting choice, but Robert Woodard, I think, is a good fit for that team. Like, for, yeah, I think I a, think in a in a couple yeah. years, I think he'll be a better fit than he is now. He's more raw right now. Yeah, I just yeah. I don't that like that actually has some kind of sneaky potential as a great small ball lineup in a couple years. Because and the thing with them, yeah. the whole lineup is they're all still young, so they're they're all still going to be good in a, in two or three years. Then they're all developed. Are you calling Buddy Heald young? But he'll play uh, the NBA at 22. I mean, still, he was drafted in 16? Yeah, so he's 26 right now. So in two Buddy years, he'll be 28 or 29. Yeah. Buddy Heald Buddy is like, I don't know. I think it was like two out of three years we had Buddy Heald and then we had Trey Young. And people yeah, sort of Oklahoma. like grouped them together at Oklahoma because they're both incredible scorers. But Buddy Heald was this senior and Trey Young was this tiny little freshman from some small town in Oklahoma. I can't, uh, I can't yeah, believe Trey but... Young is a success. I can't believe Kyler Murray's a success, but that's another story. Me too. Yeah. Former Oklahoma guy who then... No, well, no, went to A&M and then Oklahoma, I guess. All right. Um, Who else stuck out to you? Do you want to talk Pokestevsky. about Aaron? Pokestevsky to the Thunder? I want to talk... 
Yeah, because I just don't. It seems like such a weird fit. I think, you know, everybody before the draft was like, Dallas is going to take him 100%. You know, thin, white, uh, European. No, people were saying the Thunder were going to take him. And that they were going to trade up to Dallas's slot to get him. Or Dallas was going to take I didn't hear two. any of that. I, th- I thought, like, and then when he got, like, initially taken by the Timberwolves, I thought, yeah, that's another great fit. Timberwolves another guy, another team that could, you know, desperately use yet another white European guy. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah, and the Thunder, I don't see it. Not at all? Not at all. Like, Steven Adams is there. I Steven don't know Adams is what... not going to be there forever. Yeah, I know, but what is he replacing that Steven Adams doesn't have? I think they sort of view him as, like, a possible Jokic kind of guy, which I don't know if he develops into that kind of player because he's, he's gotta not quite d- as good He's got to literally double his weight to be Jokic. Yes, we all know about Pokusevsky that they have to force-feed him... Uh, 8,000 calories a day for the next year to maybe get gonna him up to 225. He's going to have to eat like an offensive lineman. Yeah. And it's, I think that's the only way to get Pokusevsky like, to be really great. And you know what? Maybe some of they're hoping that that athleticism, that preternatural skill that he's got, goes with him as he possibly, possibly bulks up. He's going to be in the weight room and the dining room constantly for the next like two years. That's, what the, that's the diet that the Thunder are going to have him on. And I don't know how much... like basketball he's going to be playing certainly not a lot of minutes for the act for the team but the thunder gassed so soon the thunder at this point i mean they're not they're the kind of team that can absolutely wait on stuff obviously yeah you probably get a little worried about sga because you don't want him to kind of get upset that he's the only really good player on the team and the thunder are sort of like becoming a an island of misfit toys sort of deal after actually having a really good like uh i don't know team identity last year with those that three guard lineup and suddenly SGA is like Will Smith looking around like where's ever where'd everybody else go? And Steven Adams is the only guy there. Great, great meme. Great meme. Yeah. But I don't know. I think Pokusevsky is gonna be good in two years. I think he's one year away from being one year away, in my opinion. Hmm. Hot take? No? I think he's like three years away from being one year away. He's like I think he's like half a Bruno Caboclo. Yeah, okay. Well yeah, but like more talented. They're, I don't think they're going to like put him like He knows how on, to play basketball. 30... Yeah. Yeah, I guess Bruno Caboclo kind of didn't. Yeah, Bruno Caboclo is like he could learn. He could learn and it would be great. At least Pokusevsky was doing stuff in like Giannis's old league even if it was <laughs> He was still like 7 feet 195 and getting absolutely whacked in the post. His BMI has to be like 0.0. I don't know how BMI is calculated, I got to admit, but whatever it is, it's probably in the bad range. Um, here's a good fit of a pick that I actually called Tyrese Maxey to the Sixers at 21. What do you think about everything the Sixers did on draft night, which involved getting Seth Curry for Josh Richardson, trading Al Horford uh, along with the first and second round pick, and obviously getting Tyrese Maxey and Paul Reed, I think, in the 50s, and... Isaiah Joe as well. Yeah. So those are the three guys they ended up with. I think all of those things point to Ben Simmons being the odd one out. Really? Yeah. I mean, you drafted a point guard with your first pick in the draft. A point guard. Does that who, not... Yeah. A point guard whose shot making is pretty good, like, I don't know, inside the three-point line, but not amazing outside of it. Yeah. But, I mean, he's, you know, he's a, he's a blue blooder, you know. I think, you know, he was coached well. He wasn't, at least he has shown willingness to shoot threes. He shot almost 30%, which, you know, almost 30%, you know, 29%, not great. Uh, 
he shot 43% from the field. I think it's better than Ben Simmons shooting 50 or 48% from the field when you're only shooting from five feet away. Yeah. Do you think it's a precursor to a trade for um, James Harden? Absolutely not. Oh, why not? Ben Simmons for James Harden? Ben Simmons for James Harden? I just don't... I think that's too much chaos in one trade. It quite possibly could be. There's been a lot of chaos in the NBA, I just don't think... what, What would the... The Rockets don't want Westbrook. Well, I guess they kind of... I don't know if they do. They saw it kind of didn't work this year, having a point guard that acts as your center. So no I don't idea know where Westbrook would go. Maybe New York. New York actually makes a little more sense now, in my opinion. Yeah, they, no, I think I think New York is probably the, yeah. New York the makes most sense. likely place. Yeah. They've cleared a little bit of cap room. Maybe it would be good for RJ to play with Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook, as we've seen, is actually the best in the NBA at getting guys open three-point shots. And so, like, OB Top and Russell Westbrook both dunking, like, on the same hoop would be kind of incredible to watch, even if Russell Westbrook has clearly lost a step. I don't know. Yeah, they've got all that cap room because they cut those guys. So Russell Westbrook to New York and James Harden to Philly makes a little bit of sense now, perhaps. And I guess Gordon Hayward to Atlanta would be the final piece. Well, Gordon Hayward to Atlanta is unrelated, right? Because he opted out at the Celtics. They can't trade him. They can't get any massive trade exception by sending him to Atlanta. So, uh, well, we're gonna tra- we're gonna try to sign and trade him. Oh, really? I have I have I have I have well, I have tons of thoughts about this because everybody's getting it wrong. So tell me, what is everyone getting wrong about Gordon Hayward? They're getting mad at Danny Ainge because they're saying, you just let a dude walk away and you got nothing in return. But here's the thing. Gordon Hayward was due to earn $34 million. Yeah. Why would he willingly decline that money knowing he's going to get less money and not guaranteed more years? I think he's a 100%. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I think Indiana is also another place that he could go. Uh, I think he's going to end up getting like somewhere in the range of three years, 70 to 80 million in some kind of sign and trade with Indiana, Atlanta, New York. It's not like Danny Ainge should just let a player opt out and walk away. I get what you mean. Um, I guess there's other things you can hope for that. It's a little worrisome, but I don't know. Like personally, I'm not worried. And I also don't don't think it's that bad to let him walk. Because $34 million is such a gross overpayment for but a guy that's playing still, 30 games a year. You don't, the only money that you get back is in the owner's pocket because it doesn't really help you under the salary cap. Because, I mean, you guys are still over the cap. And so there's no space that you now have to sign a new player. So that's, that's what worries me a little bit, in my opinion. I have trust in Danny Ainge. I, I haven't seen him make a mistake of this magnitude. So. I guess making the mistake of Gordon Hayward magnitude isn't like a huge mistake to me. It's not like it's not a massive issue. I mean, it probably is easier to fix next year as opposed to this year. The Celtics don't really need to do that much, in my opinion, as far as remaking the team. I think they're fine going into next year with what they have because I feel like Tatum and Brown are going to grow. And it's another year of playing with Kemba Walker, who hopefully is more healthy in the playoffs next year. Hayward obviously doesn't do much in the playoffs and maybe like your Williams's uh, develop a little bit. Perhaps Aaron Nesmith, who was the 14th pick in the draft this year. Once again, the Celtics end up with the 14th pick in the draft when they thought, probably for good reason, that it was going to be a much higher pick. But instead, Kings last yeah, the, year, uh, uh, Memphis this year, it was not a great pick. But yeah, so I, I Aaron mean, for, Nesmith, for, the, yeah, Celtics at 14. You have said that you call them Aaron Nesmith and Aaron Nesquick. I think Nesmith is your real take on him. 
Uh, it's it's my take on the pick. I you know he it's I say it's he's kind of meh because he I think he's def he was definitely the best talent on the board. Problem is he's a wing and we really don't need another wing. I feel like he's a guard. I guess he's taller than a guard, but I mean we have Kemba and Marcus. I mean he's a shooting guard. You guys have. I would not call Marcus Smart a shooting guard. I would call him a bigger point guard who can't pass that well. He's he's our best passer. Really? Marcus Smart? No, when I see Marcus Smart, it's more like the guy who makes the right pass, but not necessarily um, the... He doesn't make the most passes, though. but he makes the right passes. Yeah, exactly. That's, that, that's what I see. He makes smart passes, which I guess is still really good to do as a point guard. Even if it's not like, I don't know, the LeBron James or Luka Doncic kind of passes from a bigger guy like that. I, th- I think they got Aaron Nesmith because he's kind of going to be pretty ready for the NBA right now, honestly. Yeah. You can you know, plug him in. Big-time shooter. The, the Celtics really haven't had, like, just an off-the-bench assassin from long range in a while, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, and he kind of changes that of having not just, like, a bench that's all about, you know, gritty and tough, but, you know... He can probably get you points in bunches. You know, he's Carson Edwards, but he can shoot more. He can score at all three levels and can play defense. Yeah, and I mean, what do you think of the Peyton Pritchard pick at 26? That I like more than a lot of other people like. Um, I know Peyton Pritchard kind of sunk Michigan that one time in the tournament. Um, So you hate him now at this point? I mean, like... No, because he's got the clutch gene. I just don't, I just think he's a college star and not really anything more than that. But again, this draft was not that great to begin with, so... Yeah, Pritchard, he was amazing in college. He was one of the best players in the country, and we know that being one of the best players in the country does not mean you're going to be a great NBA player, but he was really fun to watch, and he's the kid has a- absolutely his confidence. And when you're watching a team beat you, that is someone like Tyler Hero, who the number one thing you can say about him is that that kid has confidence. I think someone like Peyton Pritchard is a good shooter. He knows how to score. Obviously, like his defense is a little wonky, but I mean, maybe you can compensate for that in other ways. I like Pritchard coming off screens, uh, making good decisions with the ball. I think it's a pretty good pick for you guys. He like, I don't know, it helps at least your your bench is gonna be keeping up with the scoring with guys like Aaron Nesmith and Peyton Pritchard. Yeah, I get. I I guess I, again. I I think I'll, people might think that I'm down on him. I'm not down on him. I think it's just we kind of got the like the last pick of the good players in this draft. Yeah, like you were kind of hoping maybe Kira Lewis Jr. or Tyrese Halliburton uh, sunk to fourteen. Yeah, I mean we almost got. Hal- Imagine if the Celtics got Halliburton. I don't know why you guys didn't trade up. If you if you want Halliburton, I feel like you go get him. But because he doesn't really fit a need for us. Yeah, that's fair. Getting guys like Nesmith and uh, Pritchard is sort of like, well, at least we know that we've got someone who's going to contribute. Obviously, Halliburton would too, but less of a need. Not an amazing guy like in to, who can score in the half court. And I know that you got have like Tatum for that, but Brown hasn't quite developed into the scorer. I guess that you want. That's so, not true. We'll but we'll okay. Would you say who would you say is better at scoring in the half court, Jalen Brown or Jason? Are Taylor? you talking efficiency? Creating your own shot. Um, teams are scared of him. They're paying attention to him. Like when he gets the ball, uh, it, the offense doesn't just slow down. What, uh, well, that, the offense slows down when the ball get, goes in Tatum's hand. Okay, he's good, really good. I mean, he's... freeze up, freeze up, freeze up as an E Z E, not E S. Huh? Does he all? 
does the offense freeze up when the ball goes to Tatum, or does the offense like I don't know? I guess yeah, Tatum did have that issue where he would just hold onto the ball to like five seconds left. You're right about that. Yeah, that's true. What about Jalen Brown in the half court? Uh, he attacks right off the catch, which is much better than attacking five seconds after the catch. And how often was he scoring those? Probably around on on drives to the basket. I wouldn't be surprised if it's over fifty five percent. Okay, okay. So I guess yeah, I guess Jalen Brown is the kind of guy that he wasn't doing that. Um, moving somewhere else, what do you think of the heat taking Fresh Sachiyua at number twenty? I think it's a terrific pick, but I actually kind of would have wouldn't have mind minded him going to the Celtics because he fits our biggest need, which is kind of size. I thought he's a classic Celtics pick. I'm surprised. That yeah, that's why. I mean, but once him. again. He's the second best player on his team. And well, I mean, kinda... James Wiseman was the best, but he never played on the team. So Achiuo was yeah, the best player saying. on the team for most for most of the season. He's kind of a prototypical stretch big. He's about 6'10", can shoot the three. I think he'll be a average to slightly below average from the three-point line. Yeah, um, he's not quite there yet. Hands, not there active yet. hands defensively, active... He's feet. so long. He's so long. Very, very, long, very good rebounder. Averaged a double double in college with two steals and two blocks and a steal. Uh, I really would have liked him, honestly. So think I, I think Uwa, Heat... is Achiuwa the key to how the Heat prepare for possibly next year versus LeBron and AD? Because those I, I mean, two guys, I think... you can throw, you can actually throw Adebayo and Achiuwa on LeBron and AD and not come out just totally roasted on there. You can just play them one-on-one and not have to resort to zone or some crazy switching scheme. I mean, I don't, I, I'm not saying that that's what they were looking at. It's like, we need somebody that can stop uh, the Lakers. I, I I think it's a nice coincidence that it happened that way. But I think, I think Achiuwa is just a very, very high ceiling or very high, high floor for me. I agree with that completely. I think... Even if Achiuwa isn't quite the kind of guy who you can play 20 minutes a night this season, I think at the very least within a couple seasons, he's a guy that absolutely I think they can trust. I mean, maybe the skills have to be worked out a little bit, but I mean, you had the same things with Bam Adebayo, and Achiuwa was a hard worker, Adebayo was a hard worker. Miami absolutely gets guys away, and Miami is like, I don't know, Miami is suddenly everyone's favorite team again. It took them a little while, but suddenly there's this... Um, I know they're not in a small town, but it's almost like they're this small town darling that everyone loves because they play hard, they develop these really great players, and they also kind of happen to be in Miami and have Pat Riley being the guy making the decisions. So I think it's I, just that Miami, every, yeah. everybody considers Miami smaller than LA. Yeah. Miami is on the upswing. They're, yeah, they're the underdog compared to Los Angeles, like the Lakers specifically. All right. Let's get into just a couple more teams that uh, made picks that we liked. I really liked what the Mavs did, getting probably the steal in the draft in Tyrell Terry with the first pick in the second round. Even if Tyrell Terry doesn't become like a, even a top 10 player in this draft, I think there is we are absolutely going to be looking back five years later and wondering what in the world everyone was thinking, letting him drop to 31. It's just it's a fall that doesn't make any sense, like Bull Bull last year. No one knew why it was happening as it was happening, but we knew that it was happening. What do you think about Tyrell Terry? I think he's a guy that's going to provide reliable shooting um, from the three-point line. Shot over 40% his only season at Stanford. Averaged almost 15 points a game. Um, I, I honestly think he's very budget Trey Young, but still good. Because he's kind of undersized. Maybe not the best defense. Um, 
but is able to hit threes and, you know, find open men. I I think he's a very, very typical uh, point guard of today's game. And I, yeah, I 100% agree with you. I like Tyrell Terry. I kind of think that like he is currently 80% of Seth Curry, which is what the Mavs had last year and whom they just traded to Philadelphia for Josh Richardson, who, by the way, is a great fit along with Luca in that backcourt or playing at the two or the three because Josh Richardson can defend really well, make shots when he needs to, be a little bit of a secondary ball handler, but also just be a good role player and not have to worry about being the folk like the only he's Tim Hardaway. He's Tim Hardaway Jr. Jr. Well, I think he's a better defender than Tim Hardaway Jr. But yeah, Tyrell Terry fits great with his Mavs team. I think they're going to be able to play him from the outset the same way that they were able to play Seth Curry. But while he's currently 80% of what Seth Curry is, and Seth Curry, by the way, is one of the has one of the best percentages from three from three-point range in NBA history. I think Tyrell Terry is his own player. He's not, he's just gonna be, he's just gonna be such a dynamite scorer in a couple years, I think, that. He's going to maybe not revolutionize what small guards are in the NBA, but at the very least, give them a big moment. I guess they're having a moment right now with Damian Lillard, Steph, obviously we've been having, Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell. It's a good time to be a 6'3 or less point guard in the NBA who can't really play that much defense and isn't like an amazing passer. Um, one more team that I want to go touch on are a team is a team that picked at 30 and 35, two guys who I think were both underrated and just really hardworking players, and that's Desmond Bain and Xavier Tillman. What do you think about him? The Grizzlies got him. Yeah, I mean, Desmond Bain, I think the Grizzlies definitely needed some more outside shooting, and I don't know how many times they flashed it on the ESPN broadcast, but it's like, oh, the best shooter remaining is Desmond Bain. 42% and, from three in yeah, college basketball. And he's pretty pretty filled out. He's 6'6", almost 220 and is a very good defender very very prototypical three and d guy and i think that fits so perfectly on memphis he's tenacious um, he's tenacious he's, yeah yeah he's ten, he's tenacious d yeah tenacious db yeah yeah because he's desmond he's yeah. like oh my god i love him next to john morant also like think and of that jaron jackson have. jr yeah so they drafted Desmond Bain, xavier tillman xavier tillman is a big from michigan state who you know who also went to Michigan State and was teammates with Xavier Tillman? Jaron Jackson Jr. And so, I was going to say Cassius Winston, but all right. I mean, obviously, yeah, but Cassius Winston went to a different team. Um, but still, I think that's a phenomenal fit. So that means that they have like a front court that they can sort of play interchangeably of Brandon Clark, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Xavier Tillman. And what I like about that is that even though Jaron Jackson Jr. is, I think, a little bit, I think he's the youngest of the three because Tillman was a senior. That is, those guys are all coming into their own around the same time. Desmond Bain, uh, I think he's 22 as well. So he's obviously older than John Morant, but still that's a great backcourt to have. That's a team that I think is developing fast. And even though they're not going to, probably not going to keep future star Josh Jackson around. Um, Yikes, dude. <laughs> no, just kidding. Just kidding on Josh Jackson. He might be a good role player one day. Uh, that They're making the right moves. They're a team that is positioning itself well for, even if not a playoff spot this year, because I think the West is a little bit too stacked. At the very least, they're going to challenge for spots a lot in the future as this core ages into being something just that's just really terrific to watch. 
I 100% agree. I I loved both those picks just because they both they both filled um not necessarily need but a room for improvement. Yeah, they the they fit right into the holes that they want. Uh, and if I'm Memphis, I from the players on that team, I'm super excited getting these guys because they're both older guys and they can both go to work right away in making this um just it's a grit and grind team again, but also like with a little bit of a high flying potential and guys like John Morant and Brandon Clark can both jump out at the gym. I mean, if I were a Memphis fan, I would be really pumped about the direction of my franchise after this draft. Same if I'm a Dallas fan. Dallas, are they title contenders now? Uh, having I think, they're, I think they're one Richardson? year away. I think they're one year away. I think they're one year away. Yeah, that's probably the best because they might get Giannis in free agency next year. We don't know what's going to happen there. We have no idea if Giannis is going to resign with the Bucks or not. Obviously, he could do the Supermax. Seems like he might not. Um, we're probably going to have a lot of stuff to talk about when we get into uh, our free agency next week. We're going to get into all these trades. We're going to touch on the Chris Paul trade, talk about all the James Harden rumors that have been flying around, the Russell Westbrook rumors, Ricky Rubio obviously getting traded twice, one of which was in the Chris Paul trade. Uh, Kelly Oubre got traded also for the second time today. There's going to be a lot of stuff next week, and we'll see you guys then.